Okay, let's bow in a word of prayer, and then we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8, one verse that we're going to look at tonight. So let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for what we've already heard this evening. Thank you for how you have worked in Jamie's life, Lord, and Ryan's life, and I'm sure many more stories could be told of your goodness and your grace throughout these summer months in amongst the student body. So Lord, as we now spend time opening up your word, I pray that you will quieten our hearts. May we be in tune with your spirit, who is truly the great teacher. And we pray, Lord, that we will uh, leave this place here this evening, having seen Jesus, having got a fresh glimpse of who he is. And uh, Lord, having dedicated our lives and our purposes to, to your will and your commands, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8, I will read the verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. This is going to be the theme for this coming school year. And it says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Abundant grace for abundant living. That's what we're going to be concentrating on and hopefully seeing evidenced in our lives as we learn and grow and serve together this coming year at MBBI, I want you to think about the word grace for a second. What comes to your mind when you hear the word grace? Anybody can shout out. What comes to your mind when you hear the word grace? Unmerited favor. favor. That's probably the one that if uh, you're an upperclassman, probably you've got that right on the tip of your tongue, ready to say it. Unmerited favor. What, What else? Do you think of when you think of grace? Forgiveness. What else? God's riches. Yeah, that's pretty deep. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. That's just for you freshmen. That's about as deep as he gets right there. In fact, that's stretching it right there. That was good. I like. Anybody else? What do you think of when you think of grace? Second chance. That's a good one. That's really good. Anybody else? Grace. It's a word that if you are a believer, which I hope you are, it's a word that we hear often. It's such a neat, compact word, but it's so chock full of meaning for God's people. It's, I really believe it's, it's a majestic word. It is a word that is often confused It is a word that demands people's attention. It sounds sweet to the ear. The results of it are felt to the depths of a person's being. Grace. But it is misunderstood. For the Christian, the word grace speaks of the sum total of all of the undeserved blessings which men have come to know through Jesus Christ. It is unmerited favor. 
And we all know grace is unmerited favor. But I want to suggest to you this. Grace is not merely unmerited favor. If you feed a complete stranger on the street because he is begging and asking you for food, that is unmerited favor, but it is not necessarily grace. If that same man were to rob you and take, you, take all of your belongings from you and then you fed him, that's grace. He doesn't deserve that. And as we think of the grace of God, the the grace that is being shown that really we see in the Word of God, it is a grace shown where there is evident fault in the life of the person that is receiving it. So it's, it's really at its core, it's more than unmerited favor. It is God reaching down to you and I who were at odds with Him. We were enemies of God. And God has given us His grace. Let me, let me take you for a moment to Romans chapter 5. So let's, let's turn to Romans 5 and look at one verse here. Verse number 15. And this is summarized in this one verse when it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. God's favor abounding to us in the midst of our faults and in the midst of our offending Him. That is the grace of God. And that's what we want to we talk about. But as we come to 2 Corinthians 9.8, there are, there are three things that we're going to see in this passage. We're going to see the fountain. We're going to see the basin. And we are going to see the stream. You see, as we look at all of those things, we understand that the fountain is where the grace flows from. The basin is you and I. We are, we are to be filled with the grace of God. And the stream is the result of that filling as we abound unto all good works, every good work. Let's look at these three things very quickly here this evening. I want you to look at the fountain. I want you to notice the expression that is given in verse number 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That expression there, in a nutshell, we we can title it the fountain. Here is God. With all of, all of the bounty of grace. And God's work is not half-hearted because it says He's ma- able to make all grace abound towards you. The grace of God is a fountain. And so mighty is that fountain, so impressive is it. Somebody once said, many Christians are shocked by sin, but they should be staggered by grace. When we think of the depths of God's grace. I want you to notice this fountain that's being described and the words that are used, the descriptive words, as we think of all of this flowing from God. It says in verse number 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Do you think God wants us to know? in those descriptive terms, the depths of His grace. It is so deep. It is so vast. I like to think of it like this. 
God's grace is a tidal wave that flows from the fountain of God. It is a fountain that is all grace. It is a fountain that is abounding grace. It is a fountain that is sufficient grace. It is not simply the sum total of all of God's undeserved blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, but it is favor shown when there was fault in our lives. God's grace is a tsunami. It is an overwhelming flood. It is like a dam that has burst. It is like the Niagara Falls, a symbol of power, a symbol of abundance. As we think of this this grace, now what is the object of this grace? As we think of, uh, last year when I was the dean of men, especially I'll speak on behalf of the guys, there are a lot of graces that guys need to learn. (laughs) But there is only one grace. You know what I mean by that? There are a lot of graces, but there's only one grace. Grace equals Jesus Christ. He is the personification of grace. He is the symbol of grace. And as we think of, of the Word of God, we, we, that, through that definition, we understand what, what Titus 2.11 is saying. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. As we think of Jesus Christ being that grace, let's look at John chapter 1. And for you freshmen, this is, we'll be getting to this just in a, maybe this week. In John 1 and verse number 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, this is obviously speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, full of grace. And truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. We think of Jesus Christ, he is the fountain. And not only is he the fountain, but it says of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. Somebody in the past two months, uh, a supporter of the school, sent me a letter and in it was this little clipping. I want to read, read it to you, which it's amazing when people give you things like this. Oftentimes it's the very thing that, that you need at that moment. So I opened it up and and, and read it, and here's what it says. And this is speaking of the statement in John of, of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. What does that mean? Listen to this. I once heard someone describe his troublesome life like this. Each day is just yesterday warmed up. Yes, life sometimes dishes up a diet of old problems, simply disguised as new ones. It's like the frugal housewife who feeds her family for a week on leftovers from Sunday's dinner, serving the same old food just in different disguises. It was into such a tiresome, troublesome world that Jesus came. The Apostle John said that Jesus is full of grace and truth, and he supplies us with grace for grace. 
Amy Carmichael shared some helpful insights about this phrase, grace for grace. She drew from the writings of Bishop Mule. She wrote that the Greek word translated for literally means instead of, grace instead of grace. He illustrated the meaning by describing a river. He said, stand on the banks of a river. Contemplate the flow of water. A minute passes, and yet another minute. Is it the same stream? What do you think? Is it the same stream? Yes, it is the same stream, but is it the same water? No. The old water, he explained, has been displaced by new. Water instead of water. The same is true of grace. Your life today may carry yesterday's problems, but God's grace is new every day. So your old problems might just be disguised and might be just yesterday's or uh, leftovers warmed up, but the truth of the matter is that every day that you live, you get fresh grace. Grace for grace. It's a fresh supply. And as we, we think of where that grace comes from, what you're going to learn as, as we study God's Word here at MBBI is that this grace for grace, its, it's source, the fountain from which it comes, is Jesus Christ. He is grace. If you were to look up grace in the dictionary, if we had a picture of Jesus, which we don't, but it should be the picture of Jesus there because he is the definition of grace. Well, one more little illustration I'm going to give you and then I'm going to give you a condition here to think about. There was a man in Ireland that was having some struggles, feeling very much alone in his life. He had a friend that was trying to encourage him and his friend decided to take him for a walk and they walked by a nearby water mill and his friend pointed to the water mill and he says to this discouraged, downhearted fella, he says, what turns the wheel today? The man says, the stream. He says, what will turn it tomorrow? And he answered, the stream. And he says, what about the day after that? And the man said, the only answer there is to give is the stream. And his friend said, that is like God's grace the grace that worked in your life today will be replaced by a fresh supply for tomorrow and the next and the next until Jesus comes. If you can learn the heart of what that means. And some of you come here and, and you, you've, you know what the grace of God is all about because you've, you've experienced God's grace in, in a deep way in your own life. But what, what a wonderful thing but, but here's the condition. I want you to notice in verse number 8 as we turn back to 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Notice what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, don't miss it because there is a condition in this section of the verse. It's a condition. Notice what the verse does not say. It does not say, and God makes all grace abound toward you does not say God makes all grace. Here's the key, the condition. God is able to make. So what does that mean for you? 
it means that you can stop the flow from happening in your life. You, you as the basin of which God wants to fill, you can say and you can stand against that flow of the grace of God personified in the person of Jesus Christ and as you neglect God's word and as you, you neglect God's people and you fail to serve Him and give Him your life, your basin of your life is going to run dry. God does not simply make all grace to abound. God is able. But the condition is your willingness. You as a student here, and mark it down, it happens. You as a student here, you can sit in on hours and hours of teaching. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. But He will not make that happen unless you're willing. That's, that's the part of it. That's the part of it that we get confused. You know why? Because when people aren't living for God, they'll say things like this. They'll cry out to God and say, where's your grace now? Look at what I'm going through in my life. Where's the grace of God? Well, God is able. But God is not simply going to make grace abound. He's able to do it. He's just waiting for you to open up that valve to let it flow in your own life. We, as faculty at MBBI, cannot make, neither are we able to make grace abound toward you. We can facilitate an environment in which you're able to open up yourself to the Lord and and to His Word, but, but you've got to make that choice. You can sit here and you can go through this year and just go through the motions, and you can go out the other side of it, and for all we know, have a diploma in your hand, and you haven't changed one iota in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would suggest to you that if that happens, nobody can look and say, there you go, God couldn't do it. No, no, He's able. He's able. The problem will never be with God. It will always be with the basin and not with the fountain because the fountain has an unending supply of grace. Well, the second thing very, very quickly that I want you to see is we've looked at the fountain. Look at the basin for a second. You see, the fountain is that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The basin is this. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having always all sufficiency in all things. You having always all sufficiency in all things. You see... The grace of God that flows from Jesus Christ into the basin of your life is intended to make you full. But I want to ask you something that is curious about this passage. It says here, but with such an eternal source, should not the passage say this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always having more sufficiency than you need. That's not what the Bible says. It says that you'll have all sufficiency. Is divine grace not more than sufficient? It is. 
But listen to this. God's divine grace will always be in proportion to the need that you have in the moment. God will give us grace for today's tasks. God will give us grace to master today's temptations. God will give us grace to carry out today's ministry. He will give us grace to carry today's crosses. He will give you just the amount of grace that you need. Not because He doesn't have any more to spare, but He will give you enough grace to make you sufficient in this day. You might say, well, does that make sense? Well, let me read this little poem because at the bottom of this little um, cutout that, that this person sent me, here's what it says. Each day God sends His loving grace to strengthen you and me. We need but use this day's supply and let tomorrow be. You have all sufficiency. And God's grace is sufficient for today. And the tendency, if you're anything like me, is to worry about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and make sure, am I going to have enough grace? Is God going to meet the needs of of my life? No, no. You're going to have all sufficiency. Every day, God will give you just the grace that you need. Whatever He wants you to carry today, God will strengthen your back to do so. He will give you the strength that you need. In fact, Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. In other words, when God lays that burden upon your shoulder, His grace will strengthen you to bear it. You can say, well, what about tomorrow? Let tomorrow be. Be thankful for the grace of God today in your life. The final thing is this. We look at the fountain. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. We look at the basin that you always having all sufficiency in all things. And then we look at the stream may abound to every good work. This is what God gives us His grace for. So that the grace of God that has brought salvation will impact our character and our conduct and allow us to be Christ-like. God's grace frees us to live a life of holiness and righteousness. God's grace liberates us to serve and to obey and to love but I want you to notice that the, or the result of the grace of God in verse number 8, it says that you may abound to every good work. What it does not say is what many preachers will, and I'm not saying it's not true, but I, I think they're putting the cart before the horse. They're emphasizing the wrong thing. Some say the end of God's grace is salvation, and that is true. But they concentrate on that at the, at the expense of this, almost as if to say God's grace is the means by which you can simply dodge hell. But it's much more than that. The grace of God that bringeth salvation that hath appeared to all men teaches us that denying ungodliness 
See, that has to do with character and conduct. So the grace of God that has reached to the depths of your heart, if it does not impact the way that you live, I would suggest to you that you may not be dealing or thinking properly at all about what you're experiencing. It might not be God's grace because God's grace is going to impact the way that you live. You cannot simply speak of the grace of God and not come to 2 Corinthians 9.8 and conclude that the grace of God that is a fountain that fills the basin of your life that gives you sufficiency in all things is going to make you abound to every good work. Every good work. want to take you to one more verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, verse number 10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Now notice, remember abounding unto every good work? Notice the results of the grace of God in Paul's life. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored. More abundantly than they all. Yet not I... But, but what was it? It was the grace of God. It was the grace of God that brought salvation to Paul that enabled him, empowered him, that abundant grace to live an abundant life as he labored for Jesus Christ. John Newton, who wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace, and some of you have heard this before. He said to a friend, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But I am definitely not what I once was. So we can all join in with the Apostle Paul as John Newton, the point he was getting at, and we can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's God's grace. And as we think of what we're embarking on this year, what we are trying to do this year, what this year should be all about, we're, we're really saying, Lord, you are the fountain of grace. And I'm the basin. And as we pour over the Word of God and we see the image of Jesus Christ through the pages of Scripture. We are asking God in His grace to fill our lives so that we might abound unto every good work. I want to give you a simple challenge tonight to make a commitment to tap into that abundant grace. To allow the fountain of God's grace to fill you and the stream of God's grace to allow you to be an effective servant of Jesus Christ to others. 
want you to, in your own heart, make a commitment to pray a, a simple prayer. To say to the Lord, God, you are able to make grace abound to me, and I am willing. God is able. The question is, are you willing to sit in classes and allow a stream of grace to flow by you and never tap into it? Or are you going to say, Lord, you're the fountain of grace and you're able to fill me with that grace to make me abound unto every good work and I am willing. You, are you willing to make that commitment at the outset of this school year to simply make that prayer? I'm, I don't want anybody, no need for anybody to come forward, but in the quietness of your place, right where you are, you know, I don't, you know whether you are just allowing what you're learning in God's Word to bounce off you or whether you're allowing God to tap into the basin of your life and fill you. Only you know that. 